Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with the mentally ill filmmaker Jared Moses. He is a writer and director specializing in telling character-driven stories surrounding mental health, dysfunctional relationships, and the many nuances of the African-American experience. He started working on his craft as a writer at 15 and has tinkered away at his writing skill set ever since. He finally settled into his destiny of becoming a director at the age of 33, when a layoff during COVID gave him the opportunity to finally get the education he needed to become a filmmaker. He believes wholeheartedly that film is a significant influence on how people see the world around them, and that has been the case since its inception in the late 1800s. He considers it an honor and a privilege to be a part of its history, and more importantly, a portion of its future. Enjoy this interview. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Excellent. Hey, thank you for taking a minute out for the program. I appreciate it. No, no problem. So before we get into your life as a filmmaker, I want to know, you know, the last three years we lived through a pandemic. I'm wondering how you survived COVID and how it's changed the way that not only you live your life, but the way that you conduct business now that the world's waking up. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, actually. I'm, um, the, the, the crazy thing is that during COVID, I had uh, moved, well, right before COVID happened, I had moved from New Jersey to Illinois. And prior to moving, I was, you know, a lot more active. I was out more. Um, but actually, once COVID actually hit, it dramatically changed my life. I actually developed agoraphobia, um, and it became very difficult for me to even uh, leave the house how, and to interact with anybody. Obviously, Zoom became a very um, a very big part of everybody's life, uh, but specifically mine, it, it became kind of the go-to way for me to connect with people. And it wasn't actually until I would say maybe the towards the end of last year that I actually started to step out of the house, go do things, and 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 sort of move beyond that, which is where I kind of picked up filmmaking and and uh, connecting with that. And so learning to interact with people and, and get past my fears and, and anxiety has been a bit of a challenge, but it's something that I'm I'm actually uh, getting better at a little bit more every single day. So let's get a handle on exactly what you do for a living. And I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. And one of the kids will look up and ask you, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? I make uh, movies. That's ultimately what I do. The the simplest form is I take imagination and I bring it and I share it with people on screen. So when you were in the third grade, what was your dream? What did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, what I wanted to, I wanted to be, uh, an astronaut, uh, when I was, when I was in third grade. Um, it was, it was very big. I, I was, I was fascinated by space. Um, I was also super obsessed with Star Wars as most kids were my age. And for some reason, I believed that, uh, if you became an astronaut, you would somehow end up in the, uh, Star Wars universe of some kind. So that was, that was my ultimate, uh, ultimate dream. Yeah, wouldn't that be a cool dream? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's go back in the, into the early part of your life, where mm -hmm. you were born and raised, and you obviously have seeds of creativity in you, and you love film. How did all of this begin for you and kind of become who you are today? Um, well, I started, I, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, um, was pretty much there most of my life. Um I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness by my mom, and one of the cool things about that was that 
about once a year they have a specific convention that they go to so everyone will migrate to this specific area um in the state and you and they have this three day of of sort of lectures and talks that they give but on the on the final day which is my favorite part they have a drama and the drama is where they sort of do a reenactment of biblical events sometimes they did uh contemporary stuff so like if somebody was dealing with uh, emotional things or, or, or things of that nature. They would have sort of a reenactment or, or a dramat- dramatization of, of those types of things. And that was like literally my favorite part of the entire time. I, I, I could not wait for that to happen. Um, so I would, I would always look forward to that. And that was when I first realized that I, I loved the idea of, of just watching people perform. It, but it wasn't really until I was, I want to say maybe 11 or 12 that I realized that filmmaking itself was an art that I wanted to to get to at least be involved in. That was when um, I was on the way back from a dentist appointment, and we were supposed to be going home to watch the movie Hook, the Robin Williams movie. And my, I told my mom for some reason I had it in my mind that uh, film was a thing where everybody went to the studio and they did their thing live because of the only performances I had ever really seen besides on television were you know, in theater. So I assumed that that's how movies were made. And my mom had instructed me about how film was actually done, how these people had come together years before and had made this thing. And But in over the years, it had survived and is now being passed down from generation to generation. And the thought that I, that a person could create something, that someone could imagine something and create it and then pass it down from person to person to person was fascinating to me. And I thought I wanted to do something like that. So I just, I really stuck with it up until I turned 15 when I decided I wanted to actually write um, those stories. So I started getting into screenwriting around 15 years old, and that went all the way until I into my 20s. Um, but then when I found out that I couldn't, um, at the time, I couldn't really afford to film the things that I was, I was uh, writing, I decided to do some prose writing. And then once COVID hit and... All of that stuff happened. I decided, you know, now I lost my job. My wife ended up getting a new job, which covered all of our bills and took care of it. And she ended up giving me the opportunity to uh, do figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I decided, you know, now is the time, as good a time as any, to learn this craft that I've loved my whole life and see if I can actually do something with it. And that pretty much led me to where I am today. So of all the filmmakers out there, What's the kind of the style or filmmaker that you really admire the most? Um, I would have to say, hands down, my, my favorite, um, at least contemporary filmmaker, would be, uh, I love Quentin Tarantino. Um, I also like Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese is probably my ultimate favorite just because I love his, I love the way that he paints uh, pictures of people that aren't necessarily always good, but to find that they also are human. Um, I like that just because I, I find that it resonates with me in the sense that sometimes, you you know, we don't always do the nicest things or we're not always the nicest people, but deep down inside there are other sides to it. There's a level of duality to everyone. And so I love I love the way that he paints those pictures. I would say as far as old school or, or older filmmakers, Oscar Micheaux is my absolute favorite. He's an African-American filmmaker who 
doesn't get the actual recognition that he deserves, but he's one of the people that inspires me to keep going because I find that when I sit back and I think about the lack of resources that I have and, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the people, because I live in a town that's not a big filmmaking town, so you have to kind of figure out figure out ways around getting the things you want to get done, done. And when I think about the, the obstacles that he went up against, it always reminds me that if he could do it in a time where being just the color of skin that he had made it difficult for him to do it, there's no excuse why I can't push forward and do the things that I want to do. So what was the first project that you did and completed that you really thought like, wow, this is something that is me, it makes sense, I, I'm going to keep doing this? Um, my most recent short film uh, is called Coffee the Counterweight, which is on my website, um, is the one that I filmed for the first time where it was just me doing it. I did all the filming. I planned it all out. I, I edited it all myself. I did everything by myself without any, without really a whole lot of assistance. And it is the one thing that made me think this is the thing that I was born to do. Um, I realized after it was done that I have a long way to go and I know that, but I'm okay with that. I, I'm just, it's just absolutely the one thing that reminds me that I was put on the earth to create these types of things. In your life of being obviously highly motivated, who's mm -hmm. been kind of a role model or a hero for you? Um, my mom and uh, my grandmother. Um, my mom more because of the fact that she spent, she worked multiple jobs to raise me and my brother and get in this sort of, she never let the things that she didn't have stand in the way of what needed to be done. Um, and that has always inspired me. Plus, she's always been very encouraging to, to me. Um, my grandmother more so because my grandmother started her own business um, when my mom was a little kid. She raised four children um, and went to beauty school uh, while also going while also working as a cashier until she graduated and then start opened up her own beauty salon that has been in business for the last uh, sixty years. She's a staple to the to the town that she lives in, and just her refusal to give up, no matter what life threw at her, has been, inspired me to do. Has inspired me to just do everything that I've been trying to do in my life. It, it's just that that not that perseverance is, is a major thing in our in our family, and I wouldn't be who I am without those two people. So, in the realm of like filmmaking, if you could meet anybody out there and spend a little time with them, pick their brain, who would it be? That's a great question. Um, I think as of right now, I would love to meet Ryan Coogler, the director of uh, Black Panther Films. I would love to meet him just because I like the way that he he came up, the way that he got into the industry and, and how he's developed as a creator. I would love to see how he was able to face some of the challenges he's faced and how he overcame them. Um, I would just really love to, to pick his brain and, and, and learn as much as I could from him. So in the in the timeline and lore of cinema, there's always these seminal movies that come out that are trendsetters. I mean, Pulp Fiction was that way, you know, mm -hmm. um, Orson Welles, Rosebud. There was all these kind of momentous things, even Charlie Chaplin at the very beginning. But right. in your, I mean, you know, George Lucas, in your world of film and the way that you revere it, what do you see as one of the most essential directors and or films or series that that ever came out that kind of threw a a fork in the road and changed 
the way that we view film for the rest of our lives? Um, well, there's a depth of those helpful in our down to one. I know that I would have to say for I can't I can't speak for the 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 industry. I can speak for myself and say what I, what has been pivotal for me or, or what has been like critical for me. I would say that um, Twelve Angry Men, the original, is that that film in general has been uh, a major inspiration to me as far as how you can do so much with so little. It, it teach. I think it taught a lot of filmmakers how to. It, the whole movie takes place in one room for the entire time, and and for and it's pretty much dialogue the entire time, and to realize that you can create a magnificently compelling story in a small space with with limited things. It teaches it, that film teaches you that resources. You don't need a huge budget, and you don't need a bunch of cast and crew, and you don't need to go to all kinds of exotic locations to make a great movie. Um, that movie has been critical for me. It's one of those films that sort of makes you get off your butt and say, I should get out there and do something. Um, that would be the 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 one for me. Um, overall, uh, I just recently saw the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers, um, the original, not so much the, the 1970, uh, I think it's 1972 version, but the, the 1950s version, which also is sort of illustrated, um, camera movement and sort of adding the camera as a character to story. Um, the story is not really that great, but it's, but overall the actual technical side of it is really amazing. And I think that a lot of filmmakers learned a lot from that. And, and my mentor even pointed out that it's one of those films that, uh, it's kind of like when you when you're in school and you have to read the the great the great classic uh, literature such as like Catcher in the Rye and To Kill a Mockingbird and those types of things. The Invasions of the Body Snatchers is one of those films that's kind of one of those things you just kind of have to watch, but you can learn so much from it and appreciate so much from it. So I would say those two films are are, are some of the most impactful, important films of of, of of time. But there's so many. So oh, there certainly is. So. On a daily basis, what's your chief motivator? What gets you up and going and, and, and moving through a day? My main motivator is my family. Uh, I, I, I look at my wife and um, my loved ones, and I know that everything that I'm trying to do is to make it so that, A, they can have a, a better life, but also uh, legacy. Legacy is really important to me. I'm... I'm I my father wasn't the greatest father in the world, and he didn't do the, the best by me. But I, I look at myself as his legacy, what he's left behind, and I start to think about, you know, based on the fact that I struggle with mental illness and things like that, I oftentimes question whether or not I want to have children and things of that nature. So regardless of whether or not I'd ever decide to do that, I feel like creating things that I can leave behind in the world is my legacy. So the idea that every day that I, I get up in the morning and I make something and I create something new, it's just another piece of me adding to the legacy that I plan to leave behind. So of all of the things that you've done in your life, you gain and attain wisdom. Let's see by the dream tonight. You run into a much younger version of yourself. You can give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained, the life you've led, the things you've overcome. What would you tell your younger version? Um, I would tell the younger version to hang in there, to just trust the process. Put one foot in front of the other every single day, just a little bit every single day. Because at the end of the day, if you don't, you're only going to get what you um, what you put into things. At the end of the day, you're going to keep on getting the same things that you that you force yourself 
to to do. So if you at the so telling myself in the in the, in the past, I would honestly say, yeah, keep at it, hang hang in there, because I promise you that if you just keep doing just a little bit every single day, if you stay consistent and you follow through on what you start, you're gonna love the life that you have. So the work that you've done, what's been one of the best fan letters or responses you've ever gotten? Um, one of the best responses that I've ever gotten uh, wasn't so much a fan as much as it was a, a friend of mine who who I hadn't spoken to in a while, and we had caught up, and they found out everything that I was doing. They had, they had said that I inspired them to chase the thing that they had been afraid to chase, the, the dream that they had been afraid to try because they were worried about what other people were going to think, what their family was going to think, and, and me doing the things that I've set out to do. They've ultimately appreciated the inspiration that I had given them to give it a shot regardless of, of what anybody thought. And that, that has been an amazing feeling to know that I something I'm doing has inspired someone else to try something they want to do. So, Jared, of all the things that you've done in this life so far, what are you the proudest of? That's a tough one. The thing I'm most proud of is trying. Trying to just just putting forth effort in anything that I do, putting 100% effort. That is the thing I'm most proud of because it was a time in my life where I wallowed and I would not get up and I stayed low. And, and the fact that I, I get up and I show up every day, that is the thing I'm most proud of. So everyone out there, Jared, has a perception of you. There's bubbles and pockets of people that exist in our lives, whether it's family, friends, clients, colleagues, but ultimately you're in charge. You're the captain. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Uh, I think I'm a guy who is doing the best he can with what he's got. I think that I'm, I'm compassionate. I believe that I lead with empathy, and I expect that from those around me. Um, I believe that, it, that at the end of the day, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy who, who cares more about the impact that he has on the world around him than he does about oftentimes about himself. Um, so ultimately, my perception of myself is I'm, I'm, I'm a good guy in a world that. That, that doesn't always reward good behavior, but at the very least, hopefully he's appreciated from time to time. So, Jared, if anybody wants to catch your latest film, your previous work, learn more about you, anything revolving around your world, where on the digital world can they find you? Um, the easiest place to find me is at my website. That's Um That's the easiest place to find me. All my socials are, are there, as well as my podcast. Um, the Mentally Ill Filmmaker Podcast is on there, as well as my short film, Copy the Counterweight. So uh, all my work is there, www.TheMentallyIllFilmmaker.com. Hey, man, this has been great. Jared, thank you for opening up your sure. world of film and, and your pursuit. Best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Yeah.